to Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Chris Sims, Mike Florio here with you. Peacock, Sirius XM 85. Sky Sports, eventually, at some point during the course of Wednesday on one of the various Sky Sports platforms, podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Got plenty of feedback yesterday, Chris, from folks who learned something. They, like me, were not aware of the existence of the African goose. They now know that there is a thing Welcome. called the African goose. Although one person said they are very tasty. So apparently well, he was already aware. We've heard of, a of different, that. We did hear of a different of presentation of the African goose. Yeah, right. We're not trying to do that at the Sims household uh, right now, at least. Uh, that's for sure. But yeah, been wa- aware that it's somewhat of a delicacy. I heard that. And then, uh, yeah, it's a cool one. I never knew anything about it either until all of a sudden I was being forced Forced to drive, forced to drive it home. Okay, hey, Courtney, your keys open. I can hear you guys back there. Okay, so some. I'm, um, but either way, the 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 uh, African goose. The day they want me to take it home, Mike. I mean, I'm there for my nephew's birthday, and I have a dog and two two dogs and two kids in the car. And my family's like, just put it in the car with the dogs and the kids. It'll be fine. And I'm like, what? Like, you're, you want me to drive down a highway for an hour with two geese, two dogs, two kids, and two parents in a car. There's no way that was happening. So that's where the wife went back the next day and picked them up, and now we got two freaking African geese at our house. Let me tell you something. It just dawned on me. You are inching toward reality show territory. And <laughs> I know that the various NBC networks have all sorts of, of reality shows out there, whether they're on E, Bravo, wherever. Peacock has the platform. The Sims Zoo, the Sims Farm, I mean, there's there's something that is beginning to gurgle around. Your kids are at the right age. You got all these animals. You're, you know, you're smoking weed on your nights off. I mean, there, there's there's plenty of layers and textures Definitely. for all sorts of craziness. No question. We've been approached by, about it before, so it wouldn't be the it, – it, it has happened – since we got out, got to this house, I don't know if we're ready for that. My wife is kind of private that way too. Like we don't, we don't have a family or a public Instagram. I mean, we really don't. You know, I do my stuff, everything through work, but I have no personal Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. My wife, the same thing, has an Instagram account, but never posts anything. She's only on there to see what her friends do and look at her stuff and all that stuff. So I don't think she's going to go for that anytime soon. Well, the animals get a vote, too, and eventually they will be the majority. I did some research yesterday on what it actually takes to be a zoo, and it isn't a magic number of animals. It's how the animals are presented to the public that they are available for observation. So you probably are a farm. You are not yet a zoo. You need a few you know, like <laughs> I love it. There it habitats is. Habitats for the yeah, animals to get my, to zoo. But you're there's my uh, there's my chicken. There's there's Daisy, uh, one of our chickens. That's <laughs> hilarious that we got that right there. Yeah, I don't see that. I don't. I'm I'm getting your ISO today, not program. So I don't know what's going on with my setup. But hopefully your keys closed from the back room, and I texted the back room to let them know that I'm not seeing program. I just have a static. Of you and oh, only man. you. What and else I do you need? What that's else not the do case you need? <laughs> for the next two hours of the Chris Sims ISO camera 
and nothing more. Let's get to it. AFC North news is what we're going to delve into as we embark on this Wednesday. I hate this week because I have to constantly stop myself and I hear say, you. It's, got me. it's not Monday, it's Tuesday, it's not Tuesday, it's Wednesday. Maybe by tomorrow when it's Friday for you, yes, I'll that's realize a great it's week. Thursday. It's a great week. Tomorrow's Friday. What a great week. Man, woo! Hard work this week, baby. Get back to that three-day three weekend. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's get to it. Deshaun Watson, this one kind of came out of the blue, and we've been waiting and watching and wondering when the NFL is going to propose some sort of a discipline of Deshaun Watson. If any, that would initiate the disciplinary officer process. Judge Sue L. Robinson would then take over and investigate, have a hearing, issue a decision. The commissioner would have appeal jurisdiction over that. We're waiting for that to start. It's going to take some time. The sooner it starts, the sooner it ends, the sooner everyone knows whether or not Deshaun Watson will miss any, some, or all of the 2022 season. While we wait for that, something that we didn't know we were waiting for, 23rd lawsuit filed yesterday against Deshaun Watson alleging sexual misconduct during massage therapy sessions. This seems to be someone that they anticipated would potentially sue and hadn't, according to the lawsuit, the plaintiff claims that she decided to proceed after watching the feature last week on Real Sports with Brian Gumbel on HBO, interviewed a couple of the individuals who are suing Deshaun Watson, presented both sides of it, made some arguments, had some information, etc. Something about that caused her to go forward. Now, Rusty Harden, who represents Deshaun Watson, issued a scathing statement, the full language of it, is it PFT, but the attack continues on the lawyer, the common thread for all 23 of these plaintiffs, because Tony Busby also represents the woman who sued on Tuesday. So they're going after him. This is all about him. I still think that's tough to pull off because you are suggesting that 23 people are coming together and being led all over the place in a pack with no fracture, with no fissure, with no fraying. They're holding them together, and common sense tells us there's going to be some of those 23 pissed off, some of those 23 impatient, some of those 23 not on board with it, some of those 23 are just done with it, can't do it anymore, don't want to do it anymore. I didn't sign up for this. I thought it was a quick payday. I thought we were just, you know, in and settle and done. None of that. There's none of that that's come to light. And if you're going to go after Tony Busby and try to bring down all 23 cases by targeting him, Chris, you would expect that Rusty Harden's people would find something along those lines. The fact that we haven't heard that makes me think that they haven't found it. I doubt that they haven't tried. So 23, again, I don't know what the magic number is to get people to say it's too damn many. It's somewhere between 1 and 23. It was somewhere between 1 and 22. What does it take? 33, 43, 53? Well, because, Mike, people people are still caught up in that the grand jury didn't – two different grand juries didn't indict. So that's that's the first thing you see when you kind of read through social media – or comments below any article written about the subject that that's still a big talking point for people to say you know that he's not that he's not guilty because of that 
And, of course, I know you've explained that very well, but I feel like, again, there's a lot of people on social media or, in, or involved in this subject that don't seem to really want to pay attention to the full scope of the subject. I think that's what's funny. They kind of only taken little tidbits, and they don't really know how the process works or the exact information, and that's where it's a little surprising. And it, and it comes off, of course, as – you know, more times than not, very insensitive on social media with, with some of the things people say that are just absolutely crazy. The problem, too, is, like everything else in our current society, we go into our, our corners, our camps, our tribes, and we hunker down and we say whatever we have to say to advance the interests of whoever side we're on, regardless of whether or not there's facts. First thing I see yesterday, and it's not a surprise, the responses to the tweet that we post with the story at PFT, money grab. How do you know it's a money grab? How do you know? You can't just assume it's yeah, a money grab. Yeah, that's what I mean. Right, right. You can't assume that it's valid or invalid just based upon the existence of the lawsuit. But the existence of the lawsuit forces Deshaun Watson to deal with it. Now there are 23 of them. And the grand jury argument, that's something that Rusty Harden made in a podcast appearance right, with Gabe Feldman right. last week. The idea that... Hey, if the grand jury decided not to indict, that means the grand jury found there isn't even probable cause to believe that these crimes happened, so there were no crimes, there should be no punishment. Rusty Harden's taken that approach because his only way out of this thing is to convince the disciplinary officer to impose no discipline at all on Deshaun Watson. If she imposes no discipline at all, the hands of Roger Goodell become bound. He cannot at that point do anything to Deshaun Watson on appeal. That's the only way a guy avoids the commissioner having finals say. You know, they tried to set up a process that looks independent, and it kind of does. But at the end of the day, the commissioner still decides what to do. And the example I've been using, and look, I don't know that it's going to happen this way, but it could. The league proposes a one-year suspension. Judge Sue L. Robinson decides it's going to be two games. Roger Goodell on appeal says, thank you for your service, Judge Robinson, but I'm persuaded by the NFL's argument. You know, the people that I've hired to make these decisions, the people that work for me, the people that report to me, the people that checked with me before we decided to suspend him for a year, I'm going to defer to them and suspend him for a year. Boom. Nothing anybody can do about it after that point. It's over. It's done. Negotiated CBA process for imposing discipline. We've seen others try to fight it like Ezekiel Elliott, Tom Brady. It ain't going to work. It's not going to happen. You lose at that point. So the only way, the only way to avoid Goodell having final say over this is to have no discipline at all. And that's why Rusty Harden is pushing this idea, this notion, this argument that I think is misplaced, that because he wasn't indicted, it means he's completely innocent. It doesn't. It doesn't. doesn't. Because the, the, the prosecutors have such broad discretion. The saying, and he warped this saying in his podcast appearance, a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich if the prosecutor wants to. That's true. But the flip side's also true. The prosecutor cannot indict a ham sandwich or a murderer or anybody if the prosecutor doesn't want to because at the end of the day, the standard for the grand jury is probable cause. Okay, fine. The the grand jury finds probable cause. Now the prosecutor's got to go forward and try to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. So if you don't think you're going to – and think about this. you got two people in the room. Yeah, it's he said, he said, she, said she said. She said. That's all – I know. It's are you impossible. Are you ever, right. ever going to prove anything beyond a reasonable doubt when you have he said, she said? 
It's very difficult to prove beyond a reasonable doubt when there's no one to break the tie. And, and I, I could see the prosecutor in these cases, after being worked and worked and worked by Rusty Harden and his people for months, months of pressure and persuasion and persistence, saying, I just don't want to mess with this. I don't want to spend the next year of my life with these 22 or however many criminal complaints would have become indictments. I don't want to prosecute these because this guy isn't going to rest until he gets his guy acquitted. And I don't want to lose. I never want to lose, but I don't want to lose 10, 12, however many cases there were that ultimately made it to a grand jury. So I think it was 10 at the end of the day. So that, that's the other side of this. That's why it's not exoneration. Remember when Shefty tried to suggest it was exoneration yeah, and he sure. got shouted down right. and actually, actually unstepped on the rake and, and clarified? Yeah, it's not exoneration, but that's all Rusty Harden has at this point. So yeah, he's trying to push right. it as exoneration. Right. They're trying to, he's trying to win a little bit of the public PR battle. I don't think he's really winning. You know, not one with, you know, that argument, the argument of, you know, the, the Tony Busby as far as, you know, let's attack him and attack his credibility. And it's a witch hunt and all that stuff. I mean, you said it right. I mean, come on. Tony Busby, we've gotten this far, this many people, nobody's tattletale that hasn't fell apart. We hear no rumors, nothing. I mean, again, if we heard stuff like that and it started to fall apart, okay, then we start to question things. But to this point, it's been, I mean, ironclad. There's been no issue. I mean, so I, I feel I find it hard to attack Tony Busby's credibility as far as that's concerned. He might be a showman and cocky and whatever else, but I don't get the sense that, you know, we're we're at a point here. I mean, again, Busby's kept it very tight. He should be running the CIA as far as I'm concerned. Because like you said, you can't keep secrets with that many people if it was really an inside deal to screw over Deshaun Watson. Come on, that's like crazy insensitive for people to think that. You know, again, I don't know if all 23 people, you know, have a case here. But again, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's 23. There's another 18 that he used to get massages from. Oh, and nothing happened. It doesn't matter. That's still weird. It's weird. That's where people are, are dropping the ball here. And then, you know, for people to think, the, the, well, HBO did this, and now we have another lawsuit. I mean, come on. You know, people, oh, they're just trying to get attention. No, no, this is not an easy subject to come forward for anybody, you know, let alone, you know, a female who was put in an awkward position. It's not easy to come forward. You're going to have to now tell all your secrets to family members, and you're going to go under public scrutiny, and you got to tell details of maybe some of the gross things that Deshaun Watson might have done, like we've heard from the other people. That's, that's not easy to go, oh, yeah, here's my life, and that, that's been going on in, it, in my brain, and, you know, well, no problem. I'm just, I'll go on with life. No problem. I mean, so people are crazy, and I just can't get over how insensitive some people are on, on social media about the subject. And this is court of public opinion type stuff. Rusty Harden has said not that long ago that he's trying not to engage in the court of public opinion. Well, of course you are. You have to. You have to because public opinion is going to drive this. The entire NFL personal conduct policy is about public opinion and public perception and getting the public's expectations set in a certain way. So he's trying in some respects to engage in a battle in the court of public opinion and failing. And that's the one thing Tony Busby has done well from the get-go. He has seized the momentum from day one in the court of public opinion. And look, I, 
it's 23 people. I keep coming back to that. And that question was posed to one of the lawyers, Leah Graham, last week by Soledad O'Brien. Why do we believe one over, at the time, 22, now 23? And the answer was it's all about Busby. Busby wants to enhance his social media following and get on TV shows like this. And I just think the average person is not going to buy that. 23. And again, the fact that he's held 23 together. You can't hold 23 together if it's all fake and phony and manufactured and embellished and fabricated. You cannot do it. You cannot do it no for way. 15 months. No. You can't. And, and if he has, unbelievable. If, he, if he's managed to hold together 23 meritless cases with people who just want to be done with, who don't want to be sitting in these depositions, don't want to be asked these hostile questions, don't want to have to deal with all the stress, just give me my money and let me go forward. You told me I was getting paid for this. I mean, again, if we're accepting the fact that these are all meritless cases that Tony Busby has somehow spun together, at some point they fall apart. Exactly. At some point they fall apart. And maybe they fall apart today. I don't know. But with each passing day, it's hard to believe they're going to fall apart at some point. Do you think it really has any effect that there's a 23rd as far as the decision of the NFL ultimately? I mean, uh, again, I don't know. What, what's done is done to this point. I wouldn't think it's going to have much more of an effect of the decision that's made here unless they find something new or some. You know, some other type of smoking gun that, that certainly can, can make Deshaun Watson look differently, but I don't know if it really matters in the big picture of things, does it? All I know is this. There are people in the league office who believe Deshaun Watson should not set foot on a football field until yeah. these 22 cases are resolved. I think a, a lot of people the commissioner, think that. The commissioner's taking paid leave off the table. This is the thing. In March, you, know, you don't get a whole lot of clarity at a Roger Goodell press conference. He's very adept at... And I've written about this over the weekend, whether it relates to the question he was posed last week about the difference between arbitration and open court and why do they go one way or the other. He is a master. He is Houdini at slipping out of that. And a press conference is a perfect way to do it because all you have to do is say enough words to get to the point where you put a period on that answer because then somebody else is going to ask you a question about some completely different topic. So you don't get a whole lot of clarity. The one point of clarity we got earlier this year, March, when the league meetings happened in Florida, was the idea that paid leave isn't a thing for this because if he's going to suspend him, if he's going to take action, he's just going to suspend him without pay, not with pay. Okay, fine, but here we are, 99 days away from week one, from the start of the season. That's the Thursday night game. The Browns play on Sunday, so they're, what, 102 days away from their game? There's a lot that's got to happen in 102 days. And again, if I'm the Browns, I want to know what's going on before training camp opens because i got to figure out who I'm getting ready for week one. That's, that's what you do at training camp. The moment you start, right, Chris? Right. Everything's about getting ready for the first game that counts. Well, I'd like to know who to start giving my reps to in the event that Deshaun Watson is going to be gone for four, six, eight, twelve, 12, all 17 games. I'd like to know that so I can get Jacoby Brissett ready or – or so I can try to persuade Baker Mayfield yeah, right. to happily participate and get ready because it's his job this year. 
Yeah, I, I mean, exactly. We talked about this last week. It's it's not fair to the Cleveland Browns and Kevin Stefanski, their fan base. People would say they got what they deserve, yeah. though. That's yeah. the problem. Well, I, People say know, the, Browns got, the Browns did this dance with the devil. They get what they deserve. And I'm not suggesting Deshaun Watson's the devil. I'm just saying they jumped into this. Yeah, sure. This is a natural byproduct of doing the trade they did. This is one of the risks they assumed. I, I mean, you're definitely right. I, and it's, that's where it's hard to argue or shed a tear for Cleveland or anything there. You know, again, now. You know, yes. Uh, would would I like them to know? Yeah, for their sake, for football's sake, sure, I would. Yes, I mean, you're you're. It's still, you know. Again, yes, I know they did it. We can disagree with it either way. But like you're talking about, they're still trying to win games and have a process and try to be respectable. But it's hard to argue that. I mean, it really is. And and again, we've talked about that a lot. The optics of that situation are very odd. They really are. And, you know, you talk about the people in the NFL not wanting him to step foot on, on the uh, – or in the NFL league office not wanting him to step foot on the, the, the field this year at all. I, I think that that feeling's around the league as well. I do. I think that's throughout. I do. I think you got coaches and, and I'm sure other owners that I know you and I have both heard from people around the league that are pissed off at Jimmy Haslam and this deal and the fact that this all went down anyways – uh, so I think there's even there's groundswell everywhere as far as being a little uncomfortable with the Deshaun Watson situation. And look, on one hand, the Browns assume the risk that they're not going to get clarity before training camp opens, and that they may not know until right. I look, but but on I the other side of the point, there's, there's no reason for the NFL to delay. So I, I'm kind of torn here. I don't want to be sympathetic to the Browns because they're the ones that chose to pursue Deshaun Watson just based upon the grand jury decision and they just assume that that means he's exonerated and everything's going to be fine with the five-year $230 million fully guaranteed contract but still there's no reason for the NFL to have not done something by now and to the extent that you know it's one thing for the league office people in the league office people who run the sport people who are involved in that aspect of it to have concerns about Deshaun Watson playing once it trickles out to the various teams, that's where competitive agendas yeah, come into sure. play. And sure. it's very easy for teams to grandstand because they want to see it burn. Right. They want to see as many of the other teams fall off as possible. And when you're looking at a stocked AFC North and a stocked AFC, yeah, some of those other teams all of a sudden are all high and mighty about the Cleveland Browns and how dare they do it because they want – Deshaun Watson to be gone for the year for competitive reasons. They want to be able to scratch the Browns off because there's too many damn teams out there that are going to be highly competitive this year. They'd love the t- and, and then you go to the NFC, the three teams that tried to get Deshaun Watson and didn't. They'd love to see this blow up in the faces of the Cleveland Browns. So now, now should should the Browns have anticipated these moves on the chessboard, Chief Strategy Officer, Paul D. Podesta. Hey, if you're going to have that title, Paul, you better have a strategy that takes into account all the stuff that could happen yeah. once you do this trade. And these are all reasonable they didn't. consequences of doing the trade. That's what's crazy. They didn't. That That's the, the funniest part about it. I mean, they, they didn't take in the consequences that, oh, wait, you know, all the other owners are pretty pissed off about the deal and uncomfortable with the situation. And, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, Roger's, Roger Goodell's going to talk to those other 31 owners, I'm sure, and get a little feel and feedback from some of these guys about the situation and how he should handle it. So that doesn't help him out at all. Like, not at all. And then you talk about, you know, the, the other aspect of this. I, Mike, this is where when you were talking, I feel bad 
for the players on the Browns and Kevin Stefanski. That's really what I feel bad for. That's the, those are the guys I look at and feel like, man, that's where I wish the league would hurry up. So the players have a chance to succeed. Jacoby Bursett, whoever it may be, Stefanski can go on with the plan. I, you're right, as ownership, you know, the front office, I don't know if I feel all that bad for them. Uh, but I don't know if some of those other people had any hand in this as far as the making of the situation and the horrible strategic um, approach to the whole situation. Not only that, pissed the league off, do all that, here you are, now you're not sure who your quarterback is and you're a mess of things, but a horrible strategy in your approach to what you did with the guy that used to be your quarterback. And now... Not only and now, not only have you, you know, in some people's eyes, like, whoa, Cleveland's a little weird. They gave Deshaun Watson the greatest contract in the history of football, and he's done all these things. And then allegedly, allegedly, and now you also have on top of that, at least to me, is is the fact that uh, what a horrible thing they've done to Baker Mayfield. It's horrible. I don't know what other way to say it. Baker Mayfield did nothing to be stuck in this situation. He is being screwed over and held hostage all because of, wait for it, horrible strategy by strategic officers in that building. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that, that's, I don't know anyone what to say. And it's, it's pretty, like, stupid when you really laugh at it because everybody in media, anybody that knows football knows, just like Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love, that if you mess with Baker Mayfield, it's going to piss him off and there's no turning back. Like, he just, we all knew that. And they didn't seem to have a feel for that or have a plan B. It's still shocking to me. Among the various items of pushback I've received in recent weeks, one was, why are you picking on Paul D. Podesta? And my response was, if you apply the term, if you accept the term, he didn't apply it to himself, but he accepted, he presents himself to the world as chief strategy officer. That is a big title that implies a lot. It implies that you have a strategy that actually is a good strategy. I don't think it's chief bad strategy officer. And it's kind of a grandiose label. And it's a guy who came over from baseball, so there was already going to be some natural resentment for this guy. Oh, yeah, crack the code in baseball, I can crack the code in any sport. Okay, sure, Jan. Sure, sure. it's that easy to jump from sport to sport and figure out some nuances and formulas and equations. And you know what? At the end of the day, the equation is very simple. You know what the equation is, Chris? And this goes all the way back to 2014 when the homeless guy told the Browns, supposedly, to draft Johnny Manziel. The, the strategy in Cleveland is preserve employment by giving the owner what the owner wants. That's the strategy. The more we give the owner what he wants, the longer we work here. And the owner wanted Johnny Manziel. He got Johnny Manziel. The owner wanted Baker Mayfield. He got Baker Mayfield. The owner wanted Deshaun Watson. Guess what? The owner got Deshaun Watson. And there was no one in that organization yeah. who, was, who was able – or willing to say, hey, Jimmy, hang on a second. I know you want to go all in. I know you're twisting your Oreo here, and you want to go Teddy KGB on this and go all in. I know. But $230 million fully guaranteed for five years for this player under these circumstances. we got to think about how this could go wrong for us. Let's have a conversation about all the ways this could blow up in our face. You think that happens? 
once the owner decides that's what he wants. And I guarantee you, and they're never going to admit that. And they've tried the whole dog and pony show about Mm. we talked to the family and people came around and everybody was concerned. He wanted him. He got him. That's what it is, Browns fans. The owner wanted him and the owner got him. Well, let me ask you this. You don't ever have the feeling or thought that maybe, you know, like a horse was led to water there a little bit. Like that's the only other thing I'll, I'll raise that I've at least considered. I mean, Jimmy Haslam. I mean, as you discussed there, his player personnel evaluations are not very high on the Chris Sims radar or rankings there. I don't know if he really knows his butt from his elbow as far as that's concerned. Like, I just wonder if somebody's led him to this Deshaun Watson thing. You know, did an Andrew Berry? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Kevin Stefanski. Oh. I don't know. But I would think somebody started this and got Jimmy Haslam's interest in this. I don't. I would have a hard time thinking Haslam would be going. Hey, Andrew Barry, let's go get Deshaun Watson. Unless I'm wrong, I just. I, I wonder hey, how that dynamic went down. I, I love that point. You know, the most powerful person in any organization isn't the person who makes the decision. It's the person who's able to subtly influence. I gotta the one think who makes something happened to lead him down that road. I just have a hard time picturing Jimmy Haslam coming in and being like, "Hey, let's go get Watson." I got to think somebody was like, hey, we're not sure what to do with this Baker Mayfield contract, and this might get ugly. You know, there's Deshaun Watson out there. And I just, I, I, I mean, again, just being around football, knowing people my whole life, I feel like that's how it would have gone down oh. than, rather than maybe vice versa. I could see Jimmy Haslam coming into the office one day with an idea that he thought was his and only his, even though the seeds for that idea had been planted systematically by Andrew Barry or Paul D. Podesta right. for months. Hey, if Baker Mayfield wants $40 million a year, I mean, if this is what he wants, let's go, let's go spend $40 million a year on somebody who really deserves it. Right. Let's go get Deshaun Watson. You know, I... I agree with you. We don't know who that person would be, who is essentially, you know, the Jack Easterby to Cal McNair. Right. Sorry to make the gratuitous shot at the Texans. I know the <laughs> Texans aren't doing anything in this other than saying, thank God One it's not our time, problem Houston. anymore. <laughs> but, but really, it's whoever is influencing and putting these ideas in Jimmy Haslam's head to get him to the point where this is what he wants. And then people give him what he wants. Because, hey, and look, if it all blows up, hey, Jimmy, you're the one that wanted him. You know, sorry, you wanted him. We went and got him. You're a big boy. You're an adult. You you knew you knew the risks. Even if no one really, I just I can't imagine they really thought it through the way they should have. No way. They got way. caught up in the sense of competition. You know, once the grand jury did not indict, and then I felt like the what's the flag that starts the race? Is it the checker flag of what ends or is it the green flag? I the felt like the flag. green flag, yes, right. the green flag starts waving and then they're off. And what did we hear all weekend long? Courtesy of the people who traffic in this kind of stuff as part of a quid pro quo to get access and information. Oh, this team's interested. That team's interested. 10 teams interested. 15 teams interested. 20 teams interested. It created this groundswell. It created this land rush. And at the end of the day, you got Panthers, Saints, Falcons, Browns, all jostling with each other. It's like a Royal Rumble. Who's going to be the last man standing? The Browns get kicked to the curb first. Yeah, you're out of it. And then what do they do? And then what do they do? That's when the owner or somebody says, oh, okay, you know what? Let's Let's do this fully guaranteed contract. Let's do whatever we have to do to get this guy. We want him. You know, it's like it's like trying to to buy the GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip. Uh, yeah. trading places line. I, I like want it. Somebody else part. wants it. Yeah. I'm getting it. Right. I'm getting it. <laughs> no they doubt. want him. I'm getting him.
I just feel like always, you told it exactly right, ex- except you missed the phone call to Baker that made them do that, where they went, wait, wait, yeah. you don't like That's this true. anymore? Oh, wait, ho- oh, okay. Wait, call Deshaun back and tell him we're giving him the greatest contract in the history of the sport. Something in between there went on, too. <laughs> but, Chris, I think that was manipulated, too. I think they knew damn well what was going to happen. They Maybe know him they well did. enough to know I, he was going to be pissed off if they I, started flirting with Deshaun Watson. I would think so, but that's where I question it. It's like they went, hey, we're going to flirt with him really seriously and go visit him. He's going to tell us no, and then we want you to act like you just still love us and nothing else happened. Like that's, it seems like that's kind of how it went down. You know, that, it, I, 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 think, I think they knew it was going to break the relationship with Baker Mayfield. You do think so. They were, okay. surprised. They were surprised when they got shrugged off. And, and hey, hey, look, look, I know, I know that – as I said a few times in the recent past, source guessing is frowned upon in this establishment. I don't care. There's no way Mort didn't utter the they want an adult at the position line without getting it from Jimmy Haslam or running it by Jimmy Haslam. And this is how this is just another move on the chessboard to get the Deshaun Watson deal done. The yeah. relationship with Baker Mayfield is imploded. Is it wise for us to offer Deshaun Watson $230 million fully guaranteed over five years and piss everybody off? Probably not. But at this point, we got no choice. Let's go do this thing. This is the guy we want. Let's go get him. I mean, talk about reality show. Forget about the Chris Sims farm slash zoo. I would, <laughs> the best NFL reality show would be the one that really gave us the reality. Not the one that they make us think is reality, but it's actually produced by the NFL for the NFL. So it's going to be sanitized and presented in the light most favorable to the teams. I'd love, I'd love to have cameras and microphones in these meetings when Paul D. Podesta, Andrew Barry, and Jimmy Haslam are figuring out what they're going to do about Deshaun Watson. I would pay. I would go to the movie theater. I And I, I still want to go see Top Gun in the theater. I would go to the theater and pay good money for all of the internal Deshaun Watson meetings. Oh, that for me. And I, I'd like you to were in a Browns movie once. Maybe that you'll get it in for a second time. I mean, you got a part in a Browns movie once, you know. Somebody, what Somebody, Do it again. somebody fed that to you. That's <laughs> no, too good for no, that to have not been I didn't. Fed I swear. I, I have actually some original thoughts on this big air blonde head at times. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, we, we've gotten away with some salty language from time to time. I think the middle finger is next. I, although you've done it before. <laughs> I right? have. I think I you've have. done it's it before. It's been a while. It's right. been a while. But maybe I'll break that out before the show's over. All right. Uh, let's move on yeah. to another team in the AFC North. We know that the Steelers will have their quarterbacks available. Kenny Pickett, Mitchell Trubisky, those are the two who are battling to start. Indications are Trubisky is the guy who's number one for now. Kenny Pickett, the rookie, is going to have to earn it. And teams like to force a young guy to earn it. It helps him build confidence. It helps the players get behind him if he does indeed earn it, if it's not a rigged competition. Here is Kenny Pickett from yesterday's OTA session talking about the quarterback competition in Pittsburgh. I don't know. I mean, we're all, I'm, we're all learning. I'm learning, and uh, I'm just kind of attacking each day. Uh, I think, you know, you guys make a bigger deal on the competition than the players do because we're competing every single day regardless. So um, I'm just excited to you know, be a part of this team and, and compete. Taking third string reps, I mean, I know right now, obviously, very early in the competition, but how much does that motivate you to want to work your way up the chart? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think I was going to walk in and be the one, right? I mean, so it's, it's kind of what I was expecting and, and coming here and just, uh, just earn everything I get. I mean, it's just kind of how it goes in life in the game, so I'm, I'm excited. 
Yeah, look, that's the right attitude. You're not going to walk through the door as the number one guy. They can't hand it to you. That no. builds resentment. Yeah. You have to earn it. You have to go out and show you can do it. You have to go out on the practice field, and you have to you have to operate in a way that makes players say, oh, yeah, he's the best option, either now or later. Oh, yeah, he's our guy. You put in the work. You stay late. You do all the right things. You say all the right things. That's right. You and wear the organization down. Right, exactly. That yeah. You're the best option to Mitchell right. Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. It's right. that simple. It is that simple. I mean, you think about, like, Mac Jones. It's kind of what he did last year. It just that's what uh, just every day work work oh good practice good practice good practice good practice oh wait more work he's here late oh my gosh he's invested oh man all of a sudden all these days we add him up and we're getting towards the end of training camp and it's like well maybe the hell with Cam Newton I think Mac Jones is close to ready so that's the approach he's got to have he's just got to keep knocking the days down one by one it's a process and like you said yeah he's got to earn it Pitts especially in Pittsburgh Mike Tomlin everything he preaches competition you know all that intensity there that's for 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 anything on that football field there in pittsburgh so uh yeah he's gonna have to earn it we know that you know yeah and they'll they'll start to you know they'll groom some things around him and get him some confidence to get him going and get him into this con you know conversation as far as the competitions when they feel like he's probably mentally ready and then they'll then they'll start to make things interesting but yeah, for right now, he's just got to buy his time. It's early. He's 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 learning how to walk again. I'm sure he's swimming. You're breaking the huddle right now, and he can't even think about football. He's going, wait, what did I just say in the huddle? Oh, right, this guy's over here. Wait, okay, uh, blue 45. Wait, what did I, what was the play I said in the huddle? Oh, my gosh, that's right. All right, this guy's running that. This guy's running that. Set hut. I mean, that's really what life is like as a rookie your f- first few weeks there. You're playing quarterback oh. and figuring it out on the fly. We, 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 we're familiar with, with the dynamic of getting the play <laughs> yes, call right. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> I, very. I, 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 want the, I want the Browns meeting room audio and video. We have the Chris Sims, John Gruden on field audio and video. Please, I hope get we don't. Get the play right. Uh, well, we do somewhere. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Hey, if they're going to play the Hail Mary video anytime the topic remotely comes up, I need to be ready to lay out at any given moment so we can hear John Gruden chewing on you. No, no, they like me the in the control call. room. They don't like you, so they have that stuff ready. They like me. They wouldn't do that to me. They would never do that. You better not do it, Courtney, okay? Do don't, we have it? Do we have it? I'll lay it. Just tell me when to lay out. Um, so, uh, look, Trubisky has to – well, not Trubisky. Pickett has to prove himself over – Trubisky and and Pickett he's not it's not like this is a can't miss prospect number one overall pick in the draft I mean there are situations where the rookie walks through the door as the starter because everybody knew he was going to be the guy and that's it and there's no competition to be had I mean last year in in New York Zach Wilson there was no one else of course it's Zach Wilson exactly he's the starter we're getting him ready for week one everybody knows it with the Steelers there's a chance Pickett's not ready they have Trubisky under contract and you know, people still think it's a big deal that Trubisky's got incentives and that's going to push them toward Pickett. They don't care about paying Trubisky that's some money pennies, if he gives them the better chance million. to win. Right, right, I know. A few extra million. Nobody nobody cares. They're not going to let that be the difference there as far as wins and losses. No way. That's not that, – they're not going to penny pinch or penny pinch in that, that department. But I think your, you know, your point about – this is not a slam dunk number one guy is is real. And I think that's what makes it a little bit more of a real competition or maybe the politics of the situation aren't going to get involved as much. And I think we had, hey, yeah, you, you said a red Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Joe Burrow the year before. But again, these were guys with 
like an aura and a way about them that make an organization go, hey, let's draft this guy in the top three because he's got incredible confidence and people skills and all those, and then skills that jump off the, the page or the, the film when you watch them you know, and turn that stuff on and study them. You know, Kenny Pickett, it's not quite that, in my opinion, and that's where, yes, he will have to earn it. And it won't be easy like we discussed because Mitchell Trubisky was one of those guys we're talking about who was a top three pick. And, again, like we've discussed too, has some real physical ability. I mean, he really does. He's got a strong arm, and he's an incredible athlete. So it won't be easy for him to just do this. And, and I think back to the things we've said and you've said here over the last few months, Pittsburgh, uh, I think they look at themselves like, like we talked about with the Saints and the NFC, NFC to where they look at themselves and go, wait, we're, we're still pretty good. We're not just going to play the rookie quarterback because he's the 20th pick. I think they look at it and go, wait, our offense is about to turn the corner here, and our defense, we know we're not far off from being dominant. And for that reason, I, I think that's another reason they don't just throw the rookie out there. The last time they had a first-round quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger picked 11th overall in 2004. He was not the week one starter. It was Tommy Maddox. Ben Roethlisberger didn't play until Maddox got injured. So uh, we will see how it goes, but they will go with a guy that they genuinely believe gives them the best chance to win now at running back last year they used a first round pick in the 20s on Najee Harris and it was obvious he was going to get plugged in right away you take a running back in round one yes any spot in round one get him in you know he's he's a starter and that was an area of clear need for them they let James Conner walk away in free agency they were obviously pivoting to a running back to the point where it was so obvious they were on to Najee Harris I'm surprised for the same reasons I'm surprised they weren't jumped for Kenny Pickett this year I'm surprised they weren't jumped for Najee Harris last year a report emerged yesterday that Najee Harris has had a 12 pound weight gain from 232 to 244 Najee Harris reacted to that pointedly and frustratedly on social media he claims he weighed 240 last year denies that he has gained weight reporters really don't be knowing nothing just be tweeting s blank blank t shit look he You're doesn't. Shit I mean, there. okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. In case anybody, it's not stuff. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, here's the point. Here's the point. Because I see Jerome Bettis weighed 243 pounds when he arrived in Pittsburgh in 1996. Najee Harris is not a guy that you look at and say he's thick. He's not built that way. No. So if he wants to add 12 pounds to his frame to be a little more, you know, a little more durable this year and not sacrifice any speed. Plenty of guys gain weight and they don't sacrifice speed. Just because you're 12 pounds heavier doesn't mean that you're out of shape. Maybe you're in better shape. Maybe you're better equipped exactly. to the wear and tear Maybe of you're more explosive. running back in the NFL. No he's doubt. Not, he's not a guy that you would look at and say, hey, maybe he should cut out the Twinkies. I mean, right. he's, a, no he's doubt. A very athletic and uh, in if, great shape. And that's I don't 240 care, right I don't care there. What, he looks good to me. I don't, uh, I don't I mean, care what he weighs if he looks like that. Exactly right. I, I don't care either. And, you know, again, sometimes the, what, what happens, I think, and, and this can happen to anybody. I'm not just blaming the media or whatever. But they just see, you know, what's he in the book for as far as his weight. And the NFL teams, you know, they don't care that much about that stuff all the time. It's just it, it's not like high school and college where we're trying to make our guys look a little bit bigger or, or we want to make this guy look a little different. It's like he came in during OTAs as a rookie last year. They weighed him on that day, and they were like, oh, he weighs 230 today. He might have not been training or doing anything at that point. 
you know, but then by the time, okay, now I start to run sprints and get in shape and I'm lifting weights and you get to training camp and he was 240. And I think your point's real. He's a sledgehammer running back. He's a car crash running back. He carried the ball 309 times last year for 3.9 yards per carry. So he's got to be able to hit some people. And I'm, I'm with you. I don't have any problem with a little weight gain, even if he is just a few pounds. As long as he looks right and his feet are moving quick like that, he's, he's fine. Yeah, I, I, it's just – look, I, I, I typically will not shout down any stories that fall into our laps because we're here to traffic in those stories and explain them and address them. But sometimes there's a story where we have to say it really shouldn't have been a story. It really isn't a story. Look at the guy. He's in shape. I don't care what the scale says. The guy is ready to go for his second NFL That's season. Right. There's a chance he's, he's going to be spectacular this year. Well, the second year, more confidence. Yes. I mean, this guy this guy could end up becoming our next Derrick Henry in the NFL. Sure, sure. It took Derrick Henry a while to get going. You give him some blocking, you diversify the offense a little bit where you have to actually worry about the downfield passing game and it's all just not dink and dunk. And you have guys who stretch the field and a quarterback who's willing and able to throw the ball down the field. All of a sudden, it opens up those running lanes and 3.9 becomes 4.9 per carry, Chris. No doubt. No doubt about it. You know, uh, yes, he could be that kind of power element that Derrick Henry has. He doesn't have the long speed. Right, that's gonna be the only difference. I mean, I think Laji Harris, as I looked it up a minute ago, his longest run of the year was 37 yards, and that's pretty status quo for him. That's not what he is. He's gonna be a lot of great five and ten and twelve and fifteen yard runs, like like you're talking about. He's gonna wear people out with his size. He's got incredible feet for his size. That's really special in between the tackles and everything. And you know, again, back to the weight thing too. This is just one thing I, I think the general public needs to, to realize at times. And, and again, I'm not holding myself out of this because sometimes I got to remind myself too. Guys like this are freaks of nature. This is a freak of nature that most of the public cannot relate to the human, what we're talking about here. We're talking about a guy that can go into a weight room and bench press, you know, once a week and squat heavy once a week and put on five pounds of muscle like it's nothing, like he's been like training every day for the rest of his life. That's the kind of person we're talking about here, too. So that's where he like, you know, oh, he put on four, six, eight pounds. And if it doesn't look sloppy, then I definitely wouldn't worry about it because it's just it's an NFL running back and they have muscles growing out of their ears. Yeah, I, I think he'll be fine and I think he'll be great this year, health permitting. And that's the one thing with running backs. I'm not trying to jinx him. That's the thing with running backs. You always have to be concerned about Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, whoever. It is a demanding position. Car crashes one after the other. Your body needs to hold up. You need to be durable. And sometimes you don't find out that you're durable until you prove that you are durable. All right, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. We're going to pivot from the AFC North to the AFC East when we return. Both Josh Allen of the Bills and Mac Jones of the Patriots have new offensive coordinators. How will that impact them in 2022? We'll dive into that next here on PFT Live. 